Whole Hog Sports presents the basketball podcast of Mid-America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast brought to you by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Here's your host, Whole Hog Sports basketball analyst, Scotty Bordelon. Welcome into the basketball podcast of Mid-America. It is March 20th and Arkansas is still playing basketball. Razorbacks went to Des Moines, Iowa last week and beat Illinois in their first round game and then took down number one seed Kansas in a thriller. It was a, Bob, it was a crazy few days. Um, I'm just happy to have you on the pod and, and Andrew on the pod too to kind of help me break it all down. Arkansas beat Illinois 73-63 on Thursday and advanced to play Kansas uh, on Saturday. Kansas beat Howard pretty good. Um, I think that was to be expected. Even though Howard gave Kansas a game for about 15 minutes, you know, Howard came out guns a-blazing, knocked down, I think, five threes, I think, in the first half and, and hung around for a little bit. But Kansas, I think their talent, uh, even though they don't go very deep, their talent took over. Uh, so that set up a really intriguing game against against Arkansas in the second round. And, Bob, you, you wrote about how Kansas, you know, no other team – as a one seed has lost more second round games than Kansas. And that was your pretty much your preview. And that kind of came to fruition on Saturday and Arkansas is moving on to the sweet 16 in Las Vegas. They're going to play UConn on Thursday at 6:15 central on CBS. And we're going to Vegas. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy. Like I think we were at least me and Bob and, you know, Curtis and John neighbors, we were, you know, kind of talking while we were there, like it's a it's a possibility. I think all all Eric Musselman's teams have to do is get there, and there is there is a greater, far greater than zero chance that that they're going to visit the second weekend. Um, it's just it's it's pretty remarkable. Bob, do you have any just kind of lasting impressions from from the week? I think I'm still trying to I think I'm still trying to come down. Like it was a, it was kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, I'm still trying to warm up. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> true. Rough. It is painfully cold in Iowa. Yeah, I will say the folks there in Des Moines are super nice. Could have been nicer. I, I knew we weren't in Miami, but, man, it was like snowing, and, and the wind was blowing the snow sideways, and it was below zero wind chill, I think, one night. But um, I think it's supposed to be a lot warmer in Vegas, thankfully. But, yeah, I really wasn't trying to put the whammy on Kansas, uh, but I, I, I do get fascinated by stats, and so I kind of got – uh, that night, Thursday night, you know, after Arkansas beat Illinois and back in the hotel room, I start, you know, you can Google things and look up stuff. And, um, Hogstats helped me with a couple things that didn't add up, uh, because the, the first round games, you know, back, um, in the late seventies, the, 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 when there were 48 teams, anyway, from 42 to 48, a lot of the number one seeds would get first round buys. But anyway, since 85, um, when the, the tournament expanded and, and the number one seeds were all playing openers. Um, you could look through and, and obviously teams like Kansas won two national championships, the number one seed, but they'd also lost three games in the second round, which I thought was really interesting. And I thought that that just shows you that whether it's Arkansas or somebody else, they have a chance. And, and also nine of the last 12 years, they'd had the tournament, a number one seed had gone down in the second round. So that's 48 games. Um, so nine out of 48, but I mean, that's one of the greatest odds, but it shows it's not, you know, impossible. So I just thought that was interesting. And then of course, Kansas went, went down again, but, um, yeah, I, I guess I thought, you know, I told people before going to Des Moines, I said, you know what, 
What's surprising if Arkansas makes a Sweet 16? What's surprising if they lose to Illinois? It's been a very up and down year. You know, everybody in the NCAA, you know, Illinois is a good team. You know, Illinois beat beat UCLA early and uh, and beat Texas on a neutral floor. You know, two teams that are in the Sweet 16, UCLA and Texas, and both have, you know, realistic shots to win the national title. So Illinois is a good team, but I thought it was a good matchup for Arkansas. I thought they were more athletic. I thought they were more athletic than Kansas. But I think what stands out to me is that this team, the stars all finally aligned for them. You know, they've had – Pockets of really good play, like when they won at Kentucky, when they beat San Diego State. Uh, you know, obviously Florida and Georgia aren't great teams, but they really put it on them late at home. You know, when they beat A and M here, but but they 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 couldn't sustain it. And so I know two games is, is not a season, but that was two really well played games by Arkansas at at the perfect time to be playing that well. So I felt like you know they finally got it together. Whether or not they can sustain that in uh, Las Vegas against really high-level competition, I don't know. But th- that's what that's what struck me was, you know, the players have been saying we're good enough to beat anybody if we put it together, and and they put it together. I think to me at least, it's just kind of remarkable that they're back in this position because I think we maybe talked about it on the last podcast. If you go back to when Arkansas started conference play, I think they were eleven and one. And they've been an under 500 team since the since the start of SEC play. But I think it's just another reminder to never count out an Eric Musselman team. You know, like I've done it. I don't know that I necessarily was completely out on this team could maybe make a run in the tournament, but I definitely had my doubts. There was probably more doubts in my mind than reasons for, for optimism, you know, um, but I'm not sure when I'm going to learn my lesson or other people are going to learn their lessons, but just something about this time of the year, man. I think Eric is just, and you can see former players that have played for Eric, they get on social media and they're like, his preps are built for this time of the year, you know, and they, they leave no stone unturned as far as prep time. And um, going into the Illinois game, I felt really good about that one because they had, you know, four plus days, of rest and then they beat Illinois by double figures. I think they got up by as many as 17. They made it interesting. Boy, did they make it interesting. I think their, their lead got down to five and they were throwing passes off the side of the backboard and the backcourt and it was getting hairy. Felt like, good Lord, here, here we go again. But they end up hanging on and they, and Eric's teams or Eric improved to 52 and 10 in, as a college head coach um in games when his team had four plus days of rest ahead of it um and then you know you get to you get past illinois and you're like man you know number one seed with one day in between what's what's going to happen and they came out really prepared and now arkansas's got you know four plus days of rest again before their their sweet 16 game against uconn um debo had to be the mvp of the weekend right i mean the kid just put the team on his back in the second in the second round when Arkansas fell behind by a dozen. And I think he scored 10 straight points uh, during one stretch in the second half. And I think it was ended up being 14 of 18, finished with 25 points and 21 came in the second half and check this out. So I looked up on sports reference. He joins. So this is not every player that's done this, but just a few of the names. He joins Sidney Moncrief, Todd Day, Corliss Williamson, among others, as Razorbacks to finish with at least 25 and eight rebounds and a tournament win. And 
He's the first player since Corliss Williamson in 1995 against Memphis to do that on 60% shooting or better. I think I think it was Bob. You've covered more tournament games obviously than I have, but I think it was one of the great tournament performances that we've seen. Just in terms of you know he really did put the team on his back, and it seemed like for a while it, he was the he was the the best offensive option that you had because Nick Smith did not play well again against Kansas. I think he finished like over three or over four from the field and you know Ricky Council didn't have the best shooting day but Devo I think he finished nine out of 15 and I mean he played so well that you know Jonathan Gavoni who's a uh, I think he's a draft analyst for ESPN you know he put out a tweet about Devo just you know showed a little bit of everything that that he could do um, I ended up writing both sidebars after games on Devo and I felt really good about it like he just I think he stamped himself as a, an Arkansas legend seriously NCAA tournament legend and he just and I think Kamani Johnson told me after the game he said if anyone who thinks that Devo's you know not a pro is you know probably a fool in his mind yeah you know you go back to Devo's freshman year when he wasn't playing much early and then he came on and you know Jalen Williams came on and obviously Moses Moody was there all year but you know Devo hit that big shot against Oral Roberts that sent Arkansas uh to the to, to the elite eight and you look at his uh his production in the NCAA tournament and it's he's you know he's always a good player but he takes it to another level and you're right you know Nick Smith was struggling uh Anthony Black who's been such a good player I, I would argue he's been their MVP uh he goes one for six and, and Ricky hit a bunch of free throws but he's struggling from the field and you're going like how how if somebody told me before the game uh Nick Smith and Anthony Black will be a combined one for ten from the field with four points I would have said, yeah, well, against that's Kansas. You're probably thinking double digit loss, right? Yeah. I think, how are they going to do that? But, you know, Devo 25 points, you know, just like you said, he literally put the team on his back plus eight boards and he was driving and uh, just looked so confident. And then, you know, Ricky got it going late when Devo, and then Devo falls out and you think, well, man, how are they going to do without Devo? And then Ricky took over and, and it really won the game from the free throw line. And Jordan Walsh just played so well in so many facets. And and Kamani Johnson ten rebounds, but uh, yeah, getting back to Devo, yeah, he's definitely whatever he does in Vegas or whatever he might do next season. I mean, yeah, he stamped himself as one of the great clutch players in Arkansas history. And uh, you know, I don't he's, I, I don't see him as an NBA first round pick, but I sure wouldn't. I'm with Kamani. I sure wouldn't bet against him playing in the NBA. I mean, he's a six four guy that can do. He's a lockdown defender. That alone, his defense alone, could get him on an NBA roster. Right, right, for sure. Um, and uh, and he's obviously improved his perimeter shoot. We know he goes to the hole. He rebounds for his size. Um, you know, I didn't obviously see it at the time, but seeing him, uh, his CBS interview where he got so emotional that that was a cool thing. I mean, that was raw emotion, you know, and that was just an Arkansas kid being up, being overcome, you know, with the moment. So yeah, the Devo's has such a good story on on so many levels his ascension into that that uh, top guy for Arkansas is a bit unexpected. If if you were to ask me before the tournament which Arkansas player might have a, a breakout moment in this tournament and carry them to a Sweet 16, I think conventional wisdom would have told you Nick Smith or Anthony Black would be Arkansas's go-to guys. Obviously, they're, they're top projected NBA draft picks. And, and Devo Davis, I think we mentioned earlier in the season that 
the team kind of goes as Devo Davis goes. Uh, typically, when he doesn't play well, most of the team doesn't play well. Uh, when he plays well, they they tend to win more often than not. And I thought against Kansas is when you really saw him kind of realize that how much he meant to the team. Uh, and I thought you you saw it in the second half when he took on the scoring load, but then even more so when even after he fouled out in that game up on the sidelines, he wasn't sitting down. He was up there. He was essentially an extra coach on the bench. Uh, And you mentioned the passion that he played with, and it was pretty evident uh, in that moment and and in the post-game interview, like Bob said. And then I also think that uh, we should give Ricky Council his flowers because he's played every minute of the game against Kansas, played 39 of 40 against Illinois, and he has only recorded one foul in those minutes. Uh, and then he, I thought the free throw shooting was pivotal to both wins. He went 10 of 11 from the free throw line against Kansas, 11 of 12 at the free throw line against Illinois. And I don't think you get those wins without those free throws. Uh, and free throw shooting had been an Achilles heel of this team uh, for much of the season. And I thought that was just something that another thing that caught my eye. You know, the, I love going to the NCAA tournament and one of the reasons is, you know, I end up both times that I, the last two years that I've gone, actually I've gone to the tournament three times. So I went um, when Arkansas lost to Butler in Detroit in the first round. Then I went last year and again this year and you just sit like six feet from the court. And I think one of the more interesting things for me having those seats is you get to see things that you don't normally see hear things that you don't normally hear, you know, kind of when you're tucked up into a corner and Bud Walton and I go, I keep going back to like to go back to the Illinois game when Devo, you know, I think he hits a, a corner three, literally right in front of me. He hits, he hits that three. It's a big, big, big shot. And you can literally hear him talking, hear him saying every, like every word that he was saying, you could hear it. And he comes back down not too long after Jordan Walsh misses a layup. Devo tips it back in. And he may have been as animated as I have ever seen him, like clapping, talking to the guy, talking to Terrence Shannon as he's bringing the ball up the floor. It kind of gave me chills because it's like stuff that you, you see it on TV, but you don't necessarily know what he's saying. Like I have, I know everything he said. It wasn't vulgar, but it was maybe as animated and he was as emotional as I've seen him. And then Saturday happened and it just kind of all came pouring out. And I thought a really cool deal um, after the game on Saturday, he comes back. Obviously, he's a, that was a podium game if there ever was a podium game. So he, we have to wait on him to come mm-hmm. into the locker rooms. Locker rooms are open after the game. Um, but Ricky and Devo came in. And Devo was just, he was just on cloud nine, man, for a minute. I I got him for about two minutes by himself while I think everybody else talked to Ricky as soon as he walked in. And Devo was just, he was, he was kind of, he was just on cloud nine. Like I talked to him, I'm like, what are are the emotions? And he's, he's very calm, but he says, you know, this is kind of unbelievable. And he was just talking about how happy he was for the young guys on the team to get to experience this. Like he's so happy that he's getting to do this for a third time, but with, you know, a young group of guys and he's leading them. And then I'm talking to talking to Devo and then Nick Smith walks by and they stand up bear hug. Nick was really, really emotional after the game. And I think he kind of, 
he kind of felt very, very appreciative for kind of how the the older guys and some of the other young guys stepped up. Um, but it was really interesting after the game talking to Anthony Black, he just said, you know, there was a decision made that the younger guys, for the most part, were going to kind of take a backseat to the vets. And Devo stepped up. Kamani ended up with, you know, maybe the biggest offensive rebound and putback that he's ever had. And that's including the San Diego State game in Maui, you know, and finished, I think it was maybe four, four or six points, 10 boards. The vets were were big time. What what impressed y'all most maybe about um, just just those guys? I mean, I guess you can even throw Ricky in, into that equation too. I guess we obviously talked a lot about Devo. You know, one thing that really impressed me about Kamani, um, you know, he starts uh, the SEC tournament over against Auburn, doesn't play a ton of minutes, but plays okay. Next game's 23rd birthday. And I'm not saying, you know, you, you need to play guys on their 23rd birthday like the Twins, but, you know, uh, for whatever reason, Kamai didn't play at all against AM. Then they go to the NCAA tournament. Eric decides to start him against Illinois. And he said he wanted to, you know, start somebody that had some experience. And Kamani plays 12 minutes, uh, five rebounds, five points, four. He, as Eric pointed out, he had more offensive rebounds, four than Illinois the entire freaking game, three. And so he's very pivotal in a in a short time span. And then he starts uh Against Kansas, I think he played 19 minutes and he had 10 rebounds. He had that big stick back, like Scotty mentioned. Um, you know, just just so impactful. And I guess I'm just impressed with the way. And it was so it was good to see him so happy in the locker room. But I'm impressed. I mean, some guys they don't play in SEC. And they start, and the next thing they don't even play. You're not getting a lot out of those guys. They're going into a shell, or they're upset, or whatever. You know, I'm talking about guys on any team anywhere. And Kamani, you watch him on the bench. He's always animated. He's always supportive. I'm sure he likes to play as much as anybody. But if if he doesn't have a, a, a role or a big role that game, you know, he seems to accept that. But I was really impressed that a guy could play as well as he did in such big games when he didn't play that last SEC tournament game. He didn't let that affect him at all, as, as far as I could tell. The basketball podcast of Mid America is sponsored by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Visit their showroom at 411 South Metro Parkway in Rogers or online at LandersToyotaNWA.com. For all your automotive needs, shop Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers, where we guarantee you the best buying experience and best service after the sale in Arkansas. Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Yeah, I remember, I think it may have been, Bob, you might remember this better than me, because I think Arkansas's bench was on the side of the floor that you were on. But there, it was the Illinois game, maybe. Kamani was on the bench, and 
Arkansas, I think, draws a foul, gets to the free throw line. They're obviously the coaching staff is communicating to players that aren't shooting free throws what the defensive plan is coming back down. And Kamani is out as far like into the coaching box as Eric normally is. And Eric's just kind of letting him do his thing because Kamani's communicating probably the same thing that Eric and some of the other guys were uh, were communicating. I just thought his leadership was was fantastic. Um, and Saturday is a little bit of insight on on some pregame stuff on Saturday. So Arkansas and Kansas both come out for is about an hour before tip off, and Arkansas is going through stretch. Kansas eventually comes out through stretch. And I guess it's like Kansas is equivalent of Dave Richardson. So he's kind of walking them through stretch and and all that. And I can hear everything that this dude's saying. And he's, you know, he obviously gets a look at, at Arkansas, you know, on the other end of the floor. And he's telling the Kansas strength coach, maybe is telling player Kansas players that, you know, he sees on the other end, it seems like, you know, Kansas should be able to beat up on Arkansas a little bit. A few minutes later, Kamani says something to Jalen Wilson. Jalen, they start going back and forth a little bit. And, you know, it kind of did for a little bit look like, you know, Kansas was going to beat Arkansas up. I mean, they got up, I think Kansas fell down 2-0 and then they went up 11-2. And you're just kind of like, oh boy. Like Jalen Wilson gets an and one. And Kevin McCuller comes and stands over in front of the Arkansas fan section. He goes, uh-oh, uh-oh. And, you know, you're thinking maybe this one seed's about to put its foot down. But, you know, and Arkansas kept fighting. I think they got within three or four in the first half of Kansas just kept kept throwing punches and, and landing them. But Arkansas did the same thing in the second half. And I just think the toughness that that Arkansas played with was, was phenomenal. Um, I think the Kansas game in particular – masterful from Eric right especially in the second half they get down by 12 and he finds a way to floor a lineup that could defend and get stops fight on the glass and then have enough offense to overcome a deficit against a number one seed while you're dealing with major foul issues how did how did y'all think that that Arkansas did that I mean that was that was that was masterful I thought lineup configuration just you know, against pretty good adversity with like, I think ended, Arkansas ended up with, with three guys that, that fouled out. A lot of guys in foul trouble. I think Eric had to trust guys with four fouls. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was, it was masterful. What, what were y'all's thoughts on maybe that second half comeback? Yeah. Well, why don't you start Andrew? Yeah. I just think the, the defensive intensity that, that Arkansas plays with under Eric Musselman has been a trademark for, for his teams throughout his tenure. And I think, that it could have been easy for for this team specifically to kind of lighten up defensively after the early fouls trouble that they got into in the early part of the season, where it just seemed like uh, they were giving away so many free throws attempted to the other team. Uh, and, and Eric Mossman was even asked about what he can do to, to kind of help his guys defend without fouling earlier in the season. And he said, we're not going to change our defensive philosophy. We do the same drills we've always done, and we're going to stick with it. And I think you saw why, because you need every ounce of that defensive intensity that they played with against Kansas to get that win. And, and I, I won't think Jordan Walsh specifically deserves some praise for his, the job he did on Jalen Wilson. I thought he was masterful and he finally used his length to his advantage and not to his disadvantage. And I thought he defended without fouling and controlled his, his enormous wingspan incredibly well. 
there was a point in the second half, Bob, when Jordan was matched up with Jalen Wilson, and you're like freshman against All-American, senior, you know, or a vet against a, a freshman, you know, he might have an advantage. And look, Jalen Wilson, you look at him live and in person, he's every bit 6'6", 225, 230. Like he's got the – not to sound weird, but he's got the lower body of like a running back. Like his, he's so well put together, but Jordan just clamped him at a really pivotal time, made Jalen Wilson shoot like a mid range jumper over the top of the backboard. I just, and then Jordan had that, that big tip out uh, late in the game that they got Arkansas uh, an extra pair of free throws. I thought Jordan was just fantastic, Bob. Yeah, Jordan, I think they were plus 12 against uh, Kansas when he was on. The floor and they were plus 22 against illinois when he was on the floor and so and he had you know i think he scored in the combined two games 16 points and that's nice that's eight a game but just the way he impacts things that don't necessarily show up in the in the box score you know the help defense or the you know on the ball defense um that that play where you know ricky misses the free throw and it looks like arkansas is going to be up one with kansas taking the ball down instead you know, Jordan gets in there and, and knocks it to uh, Ricky, and Ricky, well, I thought it was a good play, decides to take it to the hole because they were going to foul him anyway. Maybe he can get an and one, but he didn't, but he hit the two free throws, so it ends up being a three-point possession or a very unconventional three-point play, however you want to look at it. And that, there's not a category for tips ball to teammate for crucial free throws. You know, that's not on the box score, but that was a huge play. You know, big play, I thought, in the Illinois game, um, he got, a, uh, Jordan got a steal and he's, and he's, you know, streaking down and I can't remember who it was, but somebody contested the shot and he missed it. It wasn't like he blew a bunny. It was a contested drive, but Devo's right there to tip it in a great, great play by Devo and great hustle. But you know, if Jordan doesn't get the ball and take it down and get it shot on goal, Devo can't tip it in again. I mean, I thought it was a huge play again, does not show from the box score, but uh, Jordan just has so many of those, uh, had so many of those in Des Moines that. Um, you know, especially his defense, he's elite defensively and, um, he fouled out, but he did play 33 minutes, but he's really coming on and, um, it may not, you know, he, now he scored 10 points and that's great and all that, but it's really, I think his defense and just all the things he does that, that maybe don't show me diving for a loose ball and getting into a teammate or like you say, making a, making a guy like Wilson, a senior, not just an all American, but a senior, I mean, he's, he's like three or four years older than Jordan. And um, those don't show up in the box score. Make All-American throw ball over the basket. That doesn't show up in the box score either. <laughs> exactly. You know, maybe they need to get a whole new set of, of categories for for to uh, to show what Jordan's doing. But, um, yeah, I thought he was sort of there at the X. Maybe one of you all said that. Or maybe that popped in my head. But he was sort of the X factor. Because um, you look at all the stars Arkansas has. And I, Jordan's obviously McDonald's All-American. You see him on some draft boards. He's obviously, I think it's safe to say, he's going to be in the NBA at some point. And um, and yet you think about Anthony Black and Nick Smith and Devo and and everybody else, you know, Ricky and uh, but, but Jordan was the one that really um, plus thirty four in two games, and they won those um, two games by eleven points. So that that I mean that's I'm trying to think when I've seen a stat like that in NCAA tournament play, you know, pretty amazing. So and really I think their defense is what got them back in it. You know, they're down twelve with fifteen minutes left. You're thinking, well, this is Kansas. They're not playing, you know, Kentucky Wesleyan. This is Kansas. They're number one seed. They're finishing champs. And then so Arkansas flipped the script. Instead of Arkansas being up by 12 and, and a team coming back on them, they did it. And of all people, they did it against Kansas, you know, so it's super impressive. 
Yeah, I think it was maybe the first interview day or the first practice day that we had. I, I didn't end up writing about this, and I should have maybe given it to you as a note, Bob. But I asked A.B. and Kamani, and just kind of crouched down in between them. I'm like, look, I'm not trying to get you guys to maybe single out a guy in particular, but who's the like who is an X factor on this team that if this guy plays well, you know, you've got a you got a shot to to you know do some damage. And AB's kind of looking around the room and he just locks on to Jordan Walsh. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about AB. Like he just kind of understands that if Jordan plays well, that you know Arkansas tends to play well. And I thought the right wing three that he hit in the second half against Kansas, I think that's when I started to really think that Arkansas was going to advance because that was that's a big time pressure shot, even though it's wide open. There wasn't a soul around him. And Jordan Jordan struggled with consistency from three, you know, and it's not even that it's. Sometimes he's been hesitant to pull the trigger on some of those threes, but he just like he caught it, didn't even think about it, shot it, and it was it was cash. And Jordan was Jordan was phenomenal. Like Bob said, his plus minus was just otherworldly. And um, yeah, th I think Jordan was maybe I don't want to say he was an unsung hero, but I mean Devo Kamani, Ricky Council getting a ton and ton of love, understandably and rightfully so. From the first weekend, but I don't think I don't think Arkansas gets out of, of the first weekend without Jordan Walsh either. Um, he just it seems like he's found kind of a niche and in a role um, coming off the bench. And he's obviously a guy at this point in the season that that Eric trusts because he's he's so multifaceted. So let's uh, did any did either of you watch UConn St. Mary's on, on Sunday? Do you guys have any any first impressions on UConn? I, I watched the. Uh the last few minutes I didn't get home till kind of late wasn't in a real uh I was pretty tired I'll put it that way but right um yeah I think UConn's a, a big physical team you know they they won that uh I guess what they call the film night classic out in Portland early they kind of got on everybody's radar early they were even getting some number one votes in the AP poll for a while so they came back down to earth a little bit I think they had a stretch where they went two and eight or two and seven or something but th but they weathered that and uh of course, they've, they've got Dan Hurley, you know, of the Hurleys, you know, but Bobby Hurley's, I think he's Bobby Hurley's younger brother, I think. He played at Seton Hall. Bobby, of course, played at Duke, played against the Hogs. But he's in, I think, his fifth year at UConn now, and he's gotten the program reestablished. I think it's their first uh, Sweet 16 since 2014 when they won it all. Um, and so yeah, I mean, that was with got, Kevin Ollie, wasn't yeah, it? Kevin Ollie, right. And of course, they won three. Three games with Jim Cal, three national championships. Won a few more than three games with Jim Cal. Won three national championships. And I'm sure everybody remembers the electric Arkansas UConn NIT consolation game in 1997. I was there with about maybe 200 other people in Madison Square Garden. It was they think they played it at four o'clock on a weekday, and uh, you know they don't have consolation games anymore, which I think is a good idea. I think that may be the only. So it's played UConn. You UConn won the game, but this is how crazy things were back then. Just kind of a funny little story. Um, I found out where UConn was staying. They're staying wherever they were staying. I called the hotel. I asked for Jim Calhoun's room. He answers. We talked for like twenty minutes. This is the day before the game to get advanced stuff. Yeah, that wouldn't happen now in a million years. You'd have to go through eighteen layers. Never of, would happen. Of people, but that was nineteen ninety seven for you folks. NIT consolation games. Me talking to Jim Calhoun. 
uh, calling up his hotel room and he's going to have been nicer. And so, um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I really couldn't give you specifics on, on UConn without looking up some stuff, but they just struck me as a, a physical team and I, you know, a pretty mature team. And they, they came from a good league, the big East, just like Arkansas, you know, I think uh, sharpen their, their stuff in, in the, uh, in the SEC. So I think it's a, I think the early line I saw was uh, I'm kind of getting into the Scotty's betting line uh, area here, but I think UConn's a three and a half point favorite, and uh, so I think it's. I mean, to me, it's probably a pick 'em game. Yeah, I think you know I was. I, if you're looking for some more info on UConn, I wrote a five things to know uh, about them that's on our website right now, and they've got a 6'9", 245-pound forward, um, Adama Sonogo. I think he was an honorable mention for um, an all for the All-American teams by the Associated Press. I think he was All-Big East performer. And I found out yesterday that he's a he's one of five finalists for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award. So this kid's playing really, really good ball. He went for – he averaged 26 on 72, 72.7% shooting and 10.5 boards against Iona and, and St. Mary's last week. So he kind of had his way around the rim. Um, and I think on the perimeter, the guy that Arkansas is gonna, really going to have to 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 tend to is Jordan Hawkins. I mean, 6'5", can really, really shoot it. He's actually a finalist for the Jerry West Award for shooting guard of the year. So they've, they've kind of got, you know, go-to guys on, on front line in the backcourt and, you know, UConn shoots the ball really, really well from deep. I know that was kind of a difference maker against St. Mary's and Jordan Hawkins. I think he hit four threes in like a five minute span in the second half against St. Mary's that kind of helped him get some separation. So on Ken Palm, I think UConn is, I think, second or third nationally in efficiency and defensively. Yeah, they're third defensively or third offensively in, in terms of efficiency in the country and they're number 14 and defensive efficiency and going to be a kind of a grown man's game again, probably. You know, I think these teams match up really well because there's big guards on both sides. And I would imagine Arkansas maybe goes a little bit bigger to, to maybe match up better with, with UConn. Um, but Arkansas's 15th in defensive efficiency. So you got two top 15 teams uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, and it's interestingly, it's two teams that do not allow many three-point attempts. So I think Arkansas, maybe more so than, than UConn's really got to hone in on that. But Bob and I are going to be headed to Las Vegas um, the next couple of days. We're going to have full coverage from from Las Vegas. Um, got my hotel room all, all booked up at New York, New York, and I've never stayed at that at, at that hotel so I'm, I'm pretty excited we're gonna have yeah we're gonna blow out the coverage this week in, in Las Vegas and um, you know the second game on Thursday is Gonzaga and UCLA so gonna be some really really high level basketball and there's you know potential for a Gonzaga Arkansas rematch for a, a spot in the final four don't want to get ahead too far ahead of myself um, but it's it's kind of kind of easy to to go there mentally you know um, for Andrew Joseph and Bob Holt, I'm Scotty Bordelon. We appreciate you listening in today. We're probably going to do another podcast in between games if Arkansas does end up advancing to their third straight Elite Eight. Um, but, you know, I think tip-off is at 
615 Central on CBS. And yeah, just follow us throughout the week. We're going to have tons of coverage from interview days and, and pre and post game coverage. So um, follow us along, follow along with us at, at Whole Hog Sports and with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. For Andrew Joseph and Bob Holt, I'm Scotty Bordelon. We will holler at you guys again soon. The proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.